and welcome to Point Streak, a podcast where we talk everything gaming and the issues that concern gamers. We're all members and contributors at Enthusiacs.com. Thank you for joining us again. And uh, once again, we have a special episode for you this week. I am your host, Jeff, or Baron Fang. And in the lead-up to a very important uh, ruling, or vote rather, on net neutrality that's coming on or around February 26th, um, this episode will be released in the lead-up to that date. Uh, I thought it worthwhile that we revisit uh, a net neutrality discussion that uh, we didn't properly release uh, from almost a year ago, in fact, uh, in the wake of a of another rather important uh, ruling on net neutrality that kind of stirred up discussion then. Um, I was considering going to our team and saying, uh, you know, how about enthusiasts? We uh, record another episode about net neutrality, and I realized that really, when you got down to it, uh, we weren't really any more knowledgeable on the subject in 2015 than we were in early 2014. So, <laughs> I think uh, I think this episode does more or less cover this the topic uh, quite well, even if it is not 100% up to date and any developments over the course of 2014 to present um, aren't really covered. Um, the broad strokes are there, and you know, like I said, with the uh, a big decision pending. Uh, I thought it was worth um, coming back to this topic. Um, so what you're going to hear, uh, sans the usual intro, is uh, myself and Chris and Vernon, all regular contributors uh, to Point Streak, uh, talking about net neutrality uh, from roughly February of 2014. So yes, uh, enjoy, and um, we'll have another fresh episode for you next time on Point Streak. All right. Well, um, it was suggested to us, and I thought it was a great idea that we uh, we look at um, a topic that's uh, well. Look, it's been around for quite a few years now um, on gamers' radar, so to speak. And uh, I just uh, when I, when I heard the idea, I thought, yeah, you know, that is that is a good one because it's a topic that um, I don't know about you two that I hear I hear about this topic from time to time, and I just think I should know more about this. <laughs> and I'm speaking about net neutrality. Um, I, I've the number of times I've I've seen it come up on headlines either online uh, or on newspapers etc over the last few years and most recently uh, in mid to late January because of a recent court ruling and every time I have the same sort of reaction like I should know more about this so <laughs> I mean uh, am, am I alone there did you did you guys know anything about net neutrality before we we suggested doing this podcast was it a was it a blind spot for you too. Um, I'd heard about it, but I didn't know anything about it. I so you know I, I had to look it up and watch a few uh, watch a few videos on it. But um, but yeah, it's an it's an interesting little thing, and we've had a lot of these within the last year or so. Um, you know, uh, either lawmakers or companies encroaching on you know freedom of speech because that's big in America. Um, <clears throat> so like you know, it's it's one of those things that's just that falls into that category of you know of restricting people from doing something that before wasn't a problem mostly so that someone else can make a buck yeah how about you chris yeah i think i mean I, it hasn't really come up a lot for me i've i've heard the term thrown around for a few years now but i never really looked into it um the only thing i know about it it affected me personally is there was a bit of a dispute between time warner and cbs and ah. um what they were doing was uh, cutting off access to the CBS website and like in, uh, instant streaming videos of television shows for a while. And I, I don't think that is still in effect. It may or may not be. I haven't looked in a long time, but um, probably a couple of years ago now that that happened. 
Yeah, I can remember that, and uh, and all honestly, I I didn't really tie those two things together. But you're but you're absolutely right. That does that does kind of fall into that category of uh, restricting access. Well, um, well, let's let's talk about defining it. Uh, uh, let, let's assume that some of our listeners are as, were as relatively uninformed as we were. Um, now, first of all, you got to say it right. It's net neutrality, not net nudeality. If you go to net nudeality, you're going to find a Mortal Kombat porn site that uh, you, you, you don't want any part of, trust me. So net neutrality. Um, now, you get a lot of definitions of it, and the Wikipedia definition is one that I see repeated in a lot of places. And at, at, its, at its most basic, it just means the principle that all Internet traffic is treated equally. Um, and it's, it's debatable wh- whether to what extent it actually exists now versus, <laughs> versus when it, whether it will exist in the future or not. Um, Google, as you'd, as you'd imagine, have a lot to say about this. And, uh, I think this little quote, um, this actually comes from an online guide called guide to net neutrality for Google users. And it's pretty dense, but I, a lot of pretty good information in there. And, uh, I'll just read this section quickly because I, I think, I think it does sum up a lot of these, uh, these points. Network neutrality is the principle that internet users should be in control of what content they view and what applications they use in the, in the internet. The internet has operated according to this neutrality principle since its earliest days. Fundamentally, net neutrality is about equal access to the internet. In our view, this is Google, the broadband carrier should not be permitted to use their market power to discriminate against competing applications or content. Just as telephone companies are not permitted to tell consumers who they can call or who they, what they can say, broadband carriers should not be able to should not be allowed to use their market power to control activity online. Um, so that's that's Google's uh, statement um, about you know their their o- overall feelings about net neutrality and how they define it. Now, obviously, um, Google has a, a pretty vested interest. <laughs> it, it, it's not it's not clear to understand. It, it's not difficult to understand why Google has such a, an interest in net neutrality, given that they've got um, well, I mean, YouTube alone now being under the Google. Uh, Google banner. Um, I mean that that right there. The amount of bandwidth required uh, for for YouTube to work well. Um, it, it's not hard to understand why it would be important to Google, and also because Google are the predominant search engine. Obviously, yep. they they want the uh, they want their search engine to be unrestricted for uh, their own purposes, which you know include their own business uh, reasons, not purely for the equal access reasons they're talking about. Um, is that that definition that I gave you is is that is that pretty consistent that, that you guys have heard about it? I, I I've I read about ten or twelve different definitions, and as far as the pro net neutrality camp, that one tends to summarize it about the best that I've heard. Chris, why don't you? Go yeah, ahead? that sounds about right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it does. Um, because in in terms of a uh, in terms of this uh, Google, in terms of uh, YouTube, in terms of every everybody, that pretty much you know sums it up. I mean, no matter what you do, somebody's and I, I always bring it back to money because that's that's usually what it what it boils down to. Somebody's pocket's going to get light, hmm. um, and it's it's also you know going to affect a, a lot of a lot of people, a lot of internet users. Yeah. And uh, it, it's interesting that they they reference the telephone companies. Um, if you read at all about net neutrality, you hear about this concept of common carriage, c- carriage. And I don't know whether you two had encountered this before. I, I'd never really. Uh, I mean, the concept makes sense to me, but I'd never really heard about it before. Basically, the uh, the analogy is is to the phone uh, the phone lines as the, as they used to be. Um, 
free, that, that all the phone companies have free access to those cable lines um, and that data is unrestricted, uh, unmonitored, unfiltered. Basically, the underlying thing with the phones is that because it was an essential service, everyone should have equal access to it, like a utility, basically. So that basically, they're saying that the internet has now, I guess, progressed to that point where it's you know in line with the phone, the electricity, and all those other um, services that everyone should have equal access to. Um, thing is, though, when it comes to the internet and a lot of the um, the actual wires themselves. Um, Depending on what country, and it, it differs about how much of that is 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 hardware that was put in there by private companies or by the government. Um, in the U.S., I, I think it's uh, probably the majority. I would say is 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 private companies that have invested in those um, those phone lines, etc. AT and T is uh, no surprise uh, a very big player on the uh, um, con side of the net neutrality argument, and they would have been one of the companies that over the years has uh, certainly invested a very uh, great amount in the actual physical uh, cables and lines that that the uh, people's access to the internet depend on. Um, now, th th this so so am I am I right that you guys can't, haven't really heard too much about common carriage before either? That it it I, I must admit to me I didn't really realize that that was uh, that, that that was where the kernel of the argument was from. Nope, hmm. not at all. Never heard that. Yeah, the um, now as as for whether or not net neutrality actually exists uh, at, at the moment, there's. And and this is this is where it's going to get a little bit complicated, and I I don't uh, I don't understand a lot of this <laughs> terribly well. There's a fellow named um, Tim Wu, uh, who is one of the I believe he was one of the the people who originated the term net neutrality, and in defining net neutrality, he actually went through the process of um, of describing um, how the the internet works at the moment. Um, and whether or not it is actually uh, truly neutral. And it turns out, at the moment, it isn't. Uh, the Internet uses a concept called best effort uh, to work, ba basically packet exchange. I don't really understand exactly how it works, but how it does work means that at the moment, certain types of transactions are favored over one another. Like, a lot of people don't realize this, but file transfers are actually uh, what the Internet is designed to work most quickly as um, time-sensitive communication, like Skype calls that we're doing right now, are not what it was designed with in mind. So, there is actually no such thing as true net neutrality at at the moment, anyway. Um, just that you you would literally have to redesign how the whole internet is made in order to make it true neutral. So, a lot of even the 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 main proponents realize, you know, and and are open about the fact that it, it doesn't actually exist as being truly neutral and there are levels of, of neutrality. When it, comes to, um, when it comes to the opponents of net neutrality, a lot of them, no surprise, are the, uh, the, uh, the telecommunications companies and the cable providers. Um, I guess it would be fair to say, guys, that most of the, uh, <laughs> most of the opponents are uh, business concerns. Uh, at least that's what I've, in my reading, that's what I've learned. I believe so, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah and that's it's sort of like that, the uh, Time Warner CBS issue that I mentioned mm. earlier. That, was that kind of interest where, you know, if Time Warner has a contract dispute with, with a network, mm -hmm. um, they don't want their customers to be then, you know, providing uh, traffic to that network. Yeah. It, it goes against their business interests. Yeah. But, you know, that, that brings up the question of whether or not they have a right to restrict that, yeah. that traffic. And a lot of the, uh, a lot of the opponents and, Ver Verizon and uh, Verizon and AT&T would probably be the two most vocal 
point out a couple of things. And it was interesting reading uh, both sides of the argument because I, I, I realized a few things that um, I, I guess – I guess they weren't immediately um, immediately known. I, I guess everyone understands it in, in the background, but obviously um, there's a lot of investment that goes into making sure that all these wires reach homes and neighborhoods and communities. And it is, by and large, a lot of private enterprises, particularly in the U.S., that, that invest this money. The arguments of some of these companies are that the companies that make the most amount of money off the Internet are the ones that aren't that, that never had to make the investment, the Googles of the world, uh, the yep. Ebays of the world. Like, they don't have to pay a dime, uh, have to, I should say, pay a dime to actually make any of the wires, but they benefit from all the service that goes all o over it. Um, and a lot of the companies that, that actually do make the investments believe that they should be able to charge uh, for that access in differing ways uh, in order to get a better return on their investment. Um, in fact, it's actually been argued that if these companies were able to make additional revenue off charging for the service that they would then be able to recoup money that could then be reinvested back into the networks to make uh, broadband more available. Um, there's actually some that argue that if that had already been the case, um, the availability of broadband in the U.S. in particular would be a lot more widespread. Um, something that so let me ask something. Sure. Then. If that, if that's I mean if if that, that's that's the thing that bothers me about you know when I hear recouping costs or whatever. Mm. What in ter in terms of this uh, in terms of this net neutrality thing where if they had control over who could who could use what at what speed what type of content and stuff like that if they had control over that do you really think that that there would be more of a profit to be made? Um, in terms of quote unquote recouping their costs, because you see it everywhere, and I mean, in term in terms of gaming, it's rampant. But yeah, yeah, I mean, you, you do you think that you know they're they're gonna recoup anything? I mean, I don't know the numbers. I'm not a finance mm. major, but still. Well, the 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 one argument that I keep hearing is that uh, people people don't want them to be able to charge for what are called tiered services, i.e., you pay more money to be able to have your internet do particular things better. Uh, like, um, I mean, I don't think this actually exists yet, but a, a, a future where somebody, if they wanted to watch a lot of streaming video, uh, would would be able to pay uh, in, in order to access streaming video better uh, than just the default internet service. Um, and when I, when I hear people argue against tiered type services, one thing that I do think back to is, in the days of pre-DSL, I mean, I could be wrong here, but like, didn't we used to play for tiered internet service, at least in terms of speed? Isn't that something that we, we used to consider as normal? I mean, did, am I the only one that used to? I, I remember when I got an internet service years ago, I actually was able to select like my speed and all that. Um, I'm just I'm just wondering, is this going to be that radically different than, than it was back then? Were, were we not paying for a different level of service um, at, at that point? Uh, to be honest with you, I'm not sure about back in the day. If we're talking about like dial-up, um, mm. the only thing I know of about that. See, I'm not very well versed in this, and I was a lot younger when that was a thing. But the only thing I was yeah. aware of was your modem capabilities, uh, changing your speed. So mm. What I, when I had dial-up internet, it was 56k. Yeah, and that was just the standard. Yeah. Right. But now there's broadband, and you can get differing levels of bandwidth. And I actually pay extra. Uh, for you know, for higher bandwidth, so, right. so that I can play games and live stream and everything. I don't necessarily see a problem with that, personally. I think that's okay to charge for differing levels of bandwidth. So I guess I'm kind of confused on. 
I guess this this argument. What how how would that work? You know, paying different amounts for your internet to do different things? Are we just yeah. talking about bandwidth? Well, that or? It, it's I don't think it is just bandwidth. I, I think I think it is, and that's the thing is that um, this dark future that some people fear. I don't know that anyone's actually defined. Uh, I mean, okay, so, some of the more far out arguments against it, like okay, they'll be able to stifle. Um, Freedom of speech, etc. Um, I, I tend I tend to pay a little less attention to that because that that's go that's going uh, you know to the extreme end of the argument. I'm I'm more actually I, I've never actually heard someone say to me, well, what if they could ch charge for this tier tiered type service? What would that actually represent? Like, if if they put plan A, B, and C down in front of a customer, what how would they differ? Would like that that concept that I that I mentioned before of like you know streaming services being faster on one plan, is that is that actually um, is that actually something that that somebody is planning to do, or is 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 it is that is that I guess what I'm asking is that is that terrible in, in and of itself? <laughs> that that it kind of it sounds like it could be bad. I mean. Hmm. What what comes to mind is I'm thinking of of like cable television now and in, in HBO for example where you pay extra to get access to a certain channel. But suppose this tiered service was say five dollars extra a month if you wanted to access YouTube. Yeah. Maybe that's the kind of thing that they're going for. Yeah. Where specific sectors of the internet are cut off unless you pay specifically for that service. Right. Right. There's actually a. Um... There's actually a quote here by Google, and it's it's funny. I, I just I just read a a, a Google um, net guide to net neutrality uh, um, posting from a few years ago. This is actually from Google CEO Eric Schmidt from August fourth, two thousand and ten, and this this is interesting, and it speaks to uh, what I was talking about earlier. This is what he said. I want to be clear what we mean by net neutrality. What we mean is if you have one data type like video, you don't discriminate against one person's video in favor of another. But it's okay to discriminate across different types. So you can prioritize voice over video. And there's general agreement with Verizon and Google on that issue. So that's that's what I'm wondering. Is that is that the more likely case that they're that they're literally talking about, you know, the prioritization of particular types of data rather than the you know the big brother scenario that I think gets bandied about a bit, which is that this guy's video is is um, politically sensitive or or whatever, and we're not going to let this video go, but this other video we were that sort of stuff. It, is I get I guess is it um, is it a slippery slope thing that people are worried about that if they can discriminate in one area that they'll start in another? Is is that I wonder what people are most worried about? Well, you know this reminds me of. The argument that we see a lot with the gaming industry if they're going to separate one thing out of the game and charge you separately what's to stop them from separating everything else mm -hmm. out um you know we see that now with dlc and 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 stuff like that so i mean i can see a parallel there you know of it being a slippery slope because what what's to stop internet providers from um from you know separating streaming and uh stuff like that and charging more if you want that versus mm -hmm you know i don't know buying a yearly package or something i i don't know but like you know i can see that being a, a very dangerous thing for the consumer right yeah and I, I guess i guess it just stems from um a lot of people's just distrust of some of these larger businesses doing the right thing right i mean that, that's basic that's basically what it comes down to a lot is is trust isn't it like 
We've had yeah, everybody's been burned before. Yeah, I I don't I mean I I don't live in the U.S. But when it comes to ISPs and cable companies, and for that matter, phone companies, I don't I don't talk to many Americans that <laughs> that are that are you know really happy with the service that they get or that don't have. I mean, do you, do you guys know anyone that doesn't have a bad story on at least one of those three services? It, it it seems like you live in the states. You pretty much guarantee that you're you've been screwed on cable, internet, or phone at one point, right? That's just how it is. <laughs> Yeah, more or yeah. less. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I th- and I think I suspect that that's where a lot of this distrust comes from. Is that th- there's hardly a person that hasn't had a bad uh, experience, and to just and to just say, well, we're gonna let the free market sort of do do what it uh, what it will do, um, and and trust that they're gonna do the right thing. Uh, that there's there's some skepticism now in theory, and this this is when you when you read about the con side of net neutrality a lot. Um, in theory, one would say, well, if I don't like how this ISP is doing a business, I could just go across the street to the other guy, right? Problem is, <laughs> and now you two live in fairly, uh, you two live near fairly large urban centers, I, I take it, both of you. Um, and w- would it be fair to say that you guys have some degree of choice in who you would use for your internet? Yeah, they're the bigger guys yeah. and they're the smaller yeah. guys. Yeah, yeah. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> not everyone has that level of choice. Uh, and that that is one area, you know, I mean, look, I, I, I'm the sort of person that uh, that I, I, I like situations when, when you have choices between companies. And I, I, I think competition's a good thing generally. And I think situations where uh, certain companies have near monopolies, they rarely work out well. Problem is, though, particularly in a place like the U.S. where the spread of broadband availability is not uh, exactly what you'd call even. There are people out there uh, in the hinterland that don't really have a great deal of choice. And if you don't like Verizon and you say, screw Verizon, you might not have too much choice about where you go. Um, I think that's another aspect of it, that it, it, it's all fine and well to say, well, if I don't like how this guy's doing it, I can just move. But what happens if you don't have a choice? <laughs> what happens if there's only one game in town? Um you know, smaller European countries. I don't think that's so much of an issue, but in in the in the in the U.S. still to this day, uh, and even Australia as well, um, there's just not enough. Uh, I mean, is there? If you guys had a problem with your cable provider, I'm, and I'm just talking TV, how many choices would you have in cable provider right now? <laughs> I'd say there's probably at least two or three other companies around here that yeah. I can switch to. Yeah, I, I don't there's, know. But... There's there's an epicenter of, of choices <laughs> around right. around where I live. So right. yeah, yeah. But it, it does it does seem to vary, um, and I, and I think that's part of the re- another part of the uh, the argument is that you know if everyone had a lot of choice, then you could just go with the company that you you know had gave the best service and that uh, offered you the most amount of freedom. But uh, I don't I don't really think that even playing field exists out there. Um, now. One thing that uh, that a friend of ours mentioned is that there are degrees of uh, net neutrality enforcement or guidelines around the world. Um, now, in the EU, for example, there's a uh, some overarching um, legislation uh, that that basically enforces the degree of net neutrality around the EU. Um, the UK, for example, has a lot of a lot of the principles that um, EU uh, sorry uh, net neutrality proponents in the US um, would want already in place. Um, but again, 
in a lot of these countries that I'm talking about, the degree to which the uh, infrastructure, i.e. the wires, is public versus private owned differs a lot. Uh, like in a, I, I'm not 100% sure of this, but I've always been under the impression that Finland was like ground zero as far as like internet access back in the day, like ahead of a lot of under, other countries, Finland had really good internet access. And I was under the impression that a lot of that was because of uh, government investment. Country like that, where the government owns all the wires, pretty easy for them to step in and just enforce, you know, net, net neutrality. A uh, country like the States, where it differs between who's actually um, investing in, in the uh, in the in the uh, hardware, so to speak, it's a bit more difficult. Although one thing I have not, I don't know if you two have come across this. What happens when there are no wires? Like when you go wireless, like does, does net neutrality just uh, not an issue anymore at that point? It, because it, no one owns the, uh, the 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 system by which all this data talks to one another, or it, it, is that just a fantasy? Is there really not? I, I guess I guess we're dependent on wires for the foreseeable future, right? So. Yeah, I mean, I personally hope it stays that way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, the router that that I have is a um, you know is connected to you know a phone jack. Yes, and it, it produces wireless internet that way. But yeah, yeah. there there are wires involved. Um, yeah. I'm not what would happen if it was just you know completely wireless, no phone jacks and everything like that. I mean, yeah. no nobody we wouldn't risk uh, <laughs> yeah. someone else you know a neighbor hacking in yeah. to my. Uh, to my uh, wireless internet or yeah. something. I suppose when you get down to it, though, there are still there are always going to be gatekeepers, and uh, th this term gatekeepers comes up a lot. There's always going to be ISPs. There's always going to be the companies that are the companies that you pay for your access. Um, well, yeah, there's got to be an, like there's got to be some type of infrastructure, even if it's just you know it's like a cell tower. The cell phones are completely wireless, but yeah. you still have towers and and providers. So it'd be, it would be similar for the internet. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's a tough one. I, I mean, look, I, I, I don't want to come off as sounding like I'm super sympathetic of a company like AT&T. Uh, they, yes, they've spent a lot of money on the wires. And yes, a lot of companies use that w wire, although they do pay to use it. So I don't really understand how they can say that, you know, the, these Internet companies don't, you know, they all every everyone pays for <laughs> for access to the Internet, but one way or another, I, I guess what I guess what they're trying to argue is that if they could make more money off it, they could invest more in it, and there would be more broadband. I don't know that. I, I don't know whether I believe that or not. The uh, what like it, it is frustrating at times knowing that there are this technology out there like the Google Fibers that are clearly better than what we have, right? I mean, it, it's th there's always technology that's better than what we're stuck with. But is the reason that we don't have it because there's just not enough money to invest in it, or? Is this just like the uh, the electric car? Is is it being held back for some reason? <laughs> well, the electric car. I mean, you know, we could we could have you know charging ports all over the place. It's mm. just a matter of you know development, I guess, because I I don't really see them around at all. But <laughs> yeah. apparently, electric cars are on the rise. Yeah, yeah. I don't see those ports anywhere. So why is this issue hot again? Um, in early to mid-January, there was an appeals court uh, in the District of Columbia um, where rules were struck down that had been ad adopted by the FCC, the Federal Communications uh, Commission, in 2010 regarding net neutrality. They, uh, they put in place something called the Open Internet Regulations, which was kind of seen by proponents of net neutrality as a framework for enforcement. Um, Verizon was actually the company that appealed a couple two, uh, years ago saying that they had no authority to uh, basically saying that the FCC had no authority to regulate the Internet. 
um, which was, I, I thought, pretty, <laughs> I thought pretty bold because, I mean, in this day and age, uh, I, I mean, it would, it is a communication, so I, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I, I've never read the FCC's brief exactly, but I, I, I thought that was kind of an odd basis on which to um, appeal. Turns out that uh, these, um, that these regulations were struck down. The thing is, the court didn't actually disagree that the FCC had the right to, uh, to regulate. What it disagreed on was that the particular te telecommunications service statutes that they were using to enforce it didn't apply to the internet. So the court basically said, yes, you have the authority, but not in these laws. So it was, uh, it was a situation where I don't think, um, I, 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 I mean, I've, I've read that uh, there are people that, that, that describe this as a Trojan horse, basically, saying that they tried to come up with a backdoor way to uh, to Im implement these rules, and and basically the court said that no, you've got to you've got to come in the front door. Um, I, I don't know. Did did you guys did you guys read read up on that particular ruling at all? The the, the one that th this is the one that was mentioned a lot in the middle of January. I I I, I, th I think it's clear having read it that it's not a dead issue, but it's it's certainly a blow uh, for the people that think that the FCC is the uh, is the organization that's that that would be best um, suited to enforcing uh, net neutrality in the U.S. Well, I don't think uh, I, I didn't hear that particular uh, I didn't hear about that particular ruling. I did mm. hear apparently that Verizon was doing something to Netflix, um, mm. where. It, it, you know, it would do that. It would slow down uh, specific users and stuff like that. Like it's hindering Netflix from from working and stuff like that. So I, I'd have to read it again. But yeah, uh, yeah, that that's the thing that I read about was that Verizon was doing something yeah. with Netflix. If you read into uh, if you read into net neutrality, there's a couple of very high profile cases, and not all of them in the U.S. where ISPs were actually caught one way or another. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, discriminating, if that's the right word, <laughs> particular types of data. Um, in one case, it was argued that they were doing it in order to help the uh, police <laughs> in, in, in a particular way. Um, I, I don't actually understand how that works. I, I think the argument from the ISB was that, you know, if we don't regulate this particular type of data, well, how are we going to help the cops when they're like going after child pornography rings or something. I, I don't know how that discriminating function actually helps in them locating. I guess it helps them locate particular offenders or something, but I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> that yeah. seems weird to me. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the, uh, I mean, how, how, are either, how familiar are you two with the FCC? I mean, I, I, I do wonder how relevant they are in this day and age to, to, the, to the average American. Are, are, you, are you two up to speed on really who, who they are and what they're meant to be doing? Not really. Uh, <laughs> I pretty much live for, under a rock. <laughs> yeah, for somewhat. I'm not really f familiar with what they, uh, what they do. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is, um, this is a very interesting article by the Electronic Frontier Foundation. And as you would expect, they're, they're guys that have been at the forefront of a lot of these uh, digital rights arguments for years. Um, they have a very good article that you can find called Why the FCC Can't Actually Save Net Neutrality basically going into how their approach at this particular law and these regulations was flawed, poorly aimed. Um, and one of the biggest things that it points out, and look, uh, I, I don't, I don't want to get into a whole uh, debate about, because that's not why we're here, about 
so, you know, some people have levels of trust about government regulation versus uh, preference for free markets, etc. That that's that's a debate for another podcast. I guess what the FCC is saying, and a lot of other people have pointed out. Sorry, what what the EFF is saying about the FCC is that you can be in favor of net neutrality and still distrustful of the FCC. There's a lot of people out there that that believe that uh, these aren't the guys that you should be championing <laughs> as the guys to protect you. Uh, these are the guys that were in the middle of the Janet Jackson uh, Nipplegate <laughs> stuff years ago. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, like ba basically, these are the guys that were supposed to be regulating existing media. If you want to, if you want to point the finger at any one organization for why you have so little choice in terms of phone companies, in terms of cable companies, these are the guys. These are the guys that were asleep at the switch, allowing allowing all sorts of consolidation that they arguably shouldn't have been happening. If there's less choice out there these days in phone and cable, it's because the FCC allowed it to happen. So what some people are saying is, these aren't the guys that you should be trusting uh, to, to, to do this right. And also, given that they've stepped in at different times in terms of, you know, playing the morality police in terms of, you know, what should be on the airwaves and stuff, do you really want these guys being able to regulate the internet? Uh, if you open this Pandora's box of, of giving the FCC the power to do all this sort of stuff about enforcing net neutrality, they could be using that same power to tell you what you can, you know, what's, uh, you know, uh, moral questions, etc. you know, uh, gu guidelines in terms of decency and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, a lot, a lot of people that say that while net neutrality is, is in itself, you know, something that, that, uh, should be, um, pushed for at least to the extent that it can that th these are not the guys that you want <laughs> fighting for it uh and and that you know they argue that a, another body uh would probably that that has a much more narrow brief than the fcc is probably better suited so yeah some good reading over there and it's and, and surprising to me because i would have expected the eff to be 100 percent pro net neutrality no you know they that's they're normally the ones that are on the side of you know absolutism in terms of uh you know, free speech and stuff as far as uh, digital rights are concerned, but they, they actually have quite a bit of uh, distrust. Um, so yeah, in, interesting read. Um, to, to the extent that you two had, uh, had a um, knowledge of the issue beforehand, uh, were either of you wondering whether or not it was something that had been overhyped or, or not? Or were you, were you at all skeptical about how serious a problem it is or isn't? I don't know. I, I think... When I first heard about it, I wasn't really paying attention to it. But mm. um, just as I started reading more and more about it, I'm like, okay, this this seems like it could be important. Uh, mm. This seems like it could, you know, affect uh, a lot of internet users in either a positive light or a negative light. But I was leaning more toward the negative light. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I, I don't know. I just as I, as I read more about it, I started to take it a, a little bit more seriously. Yeah. I, I've, I've probably gone a bit back and forth and on, on the one hand, I feel, I feel like, you know, something that could potentially affect me as a gamer or just a user of the internet, I should care. But on the other hand, I, I have got a sense that it is a little bit overhyped. There's, there's a, quite a few commentators that believe that it's being blown out of proportion. I, I read, I read, a, and I can't remember which Senator it was say that this is the free speech issue of our time. And I mean, look, far, far be it for me to expect a politician to be able to 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 give, you know, a sense of uh, pers of perspective to anything. But like 
there are actual free speech issues out there <laughs> that are important. And I, I, I think to lump this in with, with those kind of uh, kind of belittles the, the real free, free speech issues out there. I, I think I think it's true that net neutrality, if, if it went to one side, yes, there could be free speech issues. But I, I don't really think that it deserves to be blown up to be something that it isn't. Um, anytime, anytime you've got an argument that's got to, to simplify, and, and I am simplifying big business on one side and the little guys on the other, it's, it's easy to just, you know, it's, it's easy to assume that, uh, that the side of right is, is, is one versus the other. But, uh, I, I, I actually, the more I read about it, the more I wonder, there's just a lot of what ifs. <laughs> there, there's not, a, there's not a lot of, uh, there's not a lot of that that has actually happened uh, so far. It's it's just a lot of what ifs. Um, yeah. And look, I'm not saying that does that doesn't mean it's important, but I'm I'm saying we're we're quite a ways away from actually finding out the uh, um, what 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 could happen if it goes wrong or or goes right. So um, I I do I do think that perhaps uh, so, some of this stuff just deserves a little time um, to, uh, to be sorted out naturally. And of course, uh, if we're on a gamer podcast, um, I suppose we should, <laughs> I suppose we should uh, ask the question: Well, what could it mean to gamers? Um, did, did I? Did, do either of you have much sense about you know what the main issues are? I mean, if if we're just talking about gaming itself, uh, as opposed to just access to data, etc., what would you reckon would be the main things that gamers might be concerned about, a pro or con, as far as net neutrality is concerned? What do you think, Chris? Um. The first thing that springs to mind is um, the concept of, of a tiered service where you would have to actually pay mm. extra money for internet that would be fast enough, powerful enough to play online games. So that would be kind of the most basic, immediate concern, you know, if you could actually access enough bandwidth to play the games that you want to play. Yeah. And, and pro possibly a secondary uh, concern might involve DRM, and I'm not, not entirely sure how that would play out but mm. i could see that potentially being an issue down the road since online drm and internet connectivity is becoming you know very commonplace with uh gaming today yeah how about you vernon um i think i think it could affect drm in a in a in an even deeper more negative light than it it already is by itself i'm speaking of drm of course but um uh, in terms of what you're what you'll be able to access and how quickly you'll be able to access it i mean playing online is becoming a big is becoming a bigger thing than you know two people just playing a game in the same house mm. um you know everybody's either got a console or a pc or a handheld thing or a smartphone or a tablet and the big thing is connectivity playing with other people not just in your town but around the world um, and uh, internet access is a big, is the only <laughs> thing that's allowing people to do that. Mm. So if it's, if it's broken down and made into a tier system of you have to pay for this to get this, I mean, what could that, what could that mean for, for, for gamers that would break down what the gaming industry has been building for the last decade or so, which is online play and, you know, building communities and, and teams and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and I, I, I don't know if you two uh, encountered this, but in, in all in all the reading that I did on this topic, I didn't really hear much from game publishers or developers. It, it almost seems and I'm not saying they don't have an opinion on it because they probably do. I would think any company that uh, 
uh, you know, Microsoft and Sony uh, and Nintendo as well should have an opinion on it, but it just doesn't seem like they're being very vocal about it. Uh, and that seems odd to me. You would think that they would have a, a, a horse in uh, a horse. <laughs> well, yeah, a horse in the race. A horse in the race, so to speak. Like, because you're right. I mean, I, I mean, because what's the L word? Latency, right? We you've got to have decent latency on a network in order to uh, <laughs> to be able to play the these games. And uh, they're getting. I think it's fair to say, guys, it's they're getting more complicated. Right, <laughs> not less. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, how many times? How many times have you been playing a multiplayer game and had it affected because yeah. someone was was lagging or something like that? Yeah. Like, you know, people are moving around in circles all because someone has a bad connection. Um, imagine if that is, you know, if that is just commonplace, not because you know they're in a bad area, but because they hadn't paid for the proper service. Mm. I'm just wondering though, like. Is it possible that tiered type systems, uh, like for instance, r right now it's it's common to have a phone plan uh, that is tailored to your particular needs. Like if you're a heavy texter, you can have a, pl a plan that has a lot of texts, uh, free text. Uh, if you if you talk a lot, y you can have a lot of free minutes, etc. Sure. I I do wonder if it was possible to have your internet service tailored to your like you know to make sure that you had the best sort of latency for online gaming and that your you know your email and your browsing was a little slower by uh, or, or if you're a person like myself that relies a lot on on voip over ip um you know that you could have something tailored to that there's a part of me that thinks that there might be a market for that out there um but at the same time there's a part of me that thinks that that could be abused heavily and uh <laughs> and that uh, you know we're already we're already paying for internet. We're all going to be paying for access to play on, on online games on all our consoles, right? I mean the the Xbox Live model of the previous generation is going to be across all the new consoles, right? Basically, we're going to be paying to play. Well, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, you can't even you know that fe those features that they that they boast on the consoles, like you can watch. TV, you can watch Netflix, you can do this, you can do that, you can Skype on the Xbox One, which is well, whatever. But yeah. um, you know, that's I mean, you you can't even access that stuff without an Xbox Live subscription mm. or a PlayStation Plus subscription. You can't access that stuff on there, even though you're paying for a monthly subscription on that other stuff. Yeah. Um, one the one thing that actually I lost my thought. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> I I gotta go ahead, Chris. I actually have a thought on this. Um, the going back to what you said about you know the cell phone plan being being tailored to your needs it's it seems to me that doing that with an internet plan would almost be regressive because mm -hmm. if you go back to the 1990s and you look at a phone line <clears throat> you get your local calls and that's about it yeah and you pay extra for long distance and you know call waiting you pay extra for extra lines and call waiting and call ID and all that yeah. stuff it's all extra and as the years go by that stuff gradually became included under one flat rate yeah and it's a similar thing with cell phones you know as as we've gone on more and more cell phone plans have been all inclusive unlimited texting unlimited calling or at least very lax restrictions on those you know like unlimited calling after certain hours unlimited yeah. calling on weekends etc and for the longest time, that's actually why I didn't have right. a cell phone is because the plans were so restrictive and expensive. I had a you know pay-by-month phone that I could use to make calls when I needed them and send texts when I needed them, and that was the best option. 
it would almost be going backwards to do that to the internet to to separate it out when the internet started out all inclusive you see what i'm saying so you you pay yeah. a flat rate for for the internet and you get everything and this sort of disregards you know the infrastructure and everything like you said the file transfer is the yeah. primary function of the internet but but just for the average joe end user he pays 20 bucks a month and he gets his internet and that's it end of story mm. So it would seem, you know, it would just seem backwards to yeah. me to go from that flat rate, all inclusive to a thing where it's broken up into different plans and all that stuff. Because every other technology that we've had has gone the reverse direction. Yeah, I get what some of the proponents are saying, though, as, as I said, though, is that if everyone was paying for these services, apparently there would be more money to invest in making the Internet faster across the board, that, bas that basically the innovation is being stifled because there's not enough money in it. Now, I, I'm skeptical when I hear things like that. I, I, like if, if AT&T and Verizon were all making like 50% more than what they're making now, would I believe that there'd be more wires out there and we'd all be using Space Age Jetsons Internet that was so much better than what we have now? I, 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 I don't know. Uh, that's, that's my question. You know, <laughs> really, you, your, your creativity and your ability to develop new things is stifled by you know, not having enough money. Mm. I mean, we are here doing this for free. Yeah. And our I'd stuff is pretty awesome. There's probably a grain of truth in that. I, I wouldn't say that they're lying outright, but I'm sure that they're exaggerating it for their own interests in, in, in any case. Uh, absolutely. I mean, they, they want to be able to justify this and they want to be able to. I mean, look, what, what they more than anything they want to get a piece of is the YouTube level guys, the guys that have all this bandwidth required, you know, tied up in them. They want to be able to get they want to be able to to, to attach a meter to that in charge for that stream you know like that's that's what they most want want to get their hands on so and of oh, course yeah. and and to pass that on to the end user as they would expect uh would probably be the reality if it happened whether or not we'd all get the benefits out of it and we'd have like super duper internet that uh that you know is technologically possible but it's being held back by one thing or another who knows that's putting a lot of trust <laughs> in 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 companies to do the right thing um well, look, guys, unless you've had any more uh, closing thoughts, I, I think that about covers it. As far as as far as what I feel it means to gamers, I, I tend to agree with you, really. It's it's a speed issue, really, <laughs> more than anything else. You know, I, I don't want anyone telling me what I can and can't play. I don't want anyone controlling the speed. Um, so there's, there's a part of me that thinks, would I pay for a better service if it was super important to me? Well... I mean, we all grumble about it, but uh, a lot a lot of people who uh, years ago didn't want to pay for Xbox Live ended up doing that too. So may maybe we're just fighting against an inevitability. Um, I, I think, provided that it yeah. doesn't that, it, that you know some of these dark scenarios of actual free you know free speech and uh, freedom of uh, access and stuff get affected, and it really is more a service issue than it's a little less uh, severe. But I think we're quite some years away from finding out what the actual uh, risks are. Um, and I, I think the first I, uh, ISP that gets caught doing something particularly egregious, I think that's when we're going to really find out um, <laughs> what, what, uh, what the worst case scenario could be. I want to start wrapping up soon, but I'll make my old school recommendation of the week. And uh, I'm going to go with an NES game because I'm that old. Why, uh, <laughs> why, should, I, <laughs> why should I hide it? Uh, I, I wonder how well this game is known or not. Uh, the title I'm going to recommend is Guardian Legend. And this is, uh, this is a game that is um, 
is pretty hard to classify. On the one hand, it's got some top-down sort of Zelda RPG elements, uh, that sort of isometric view where you play a, a little robot um, who's uh, trying to save the world. I don't, they, I don't think they go into which world he's trying to save, but there's an enemy space station, and you're running around trying to stop it. Um, a, lot, a lot of the typical NES RPG features in it, leveling up, um, a lot of uh, grinding, I think. Did grinding exist back in the NES? Is that a fair... <laughs> Is that uh, I think use? in like the first uh, first Legend of Zelda, right? Yeah, I mean even Zelda Two: Adventure of Link, I would have called that a lot of grinding. Um, yeah. Anyway, there were a lot of grinding going on. But the thing that makes Guardian, I mean, on top of the fact that the music is excellent, the thing that makes Guardian Legend so unique is that when you beat a particular level, it turns into a space flight shooter, like a top-down shooter. Your little robot changes into this. Uh, ship <laughs> and uh you basically have a forward firing laser and a couple of upgrades and you play basically these three to four minute sections that are basically uh, a, a space shooter which is just so strange to have those two things you know melded together in one game um nice. yeah it, it's I, I really can't think of another game that that does it like that um it's just a mix of two genres you don't often see music's excellent the gameplay's excellent um it does get a little bit repetitive and the it, it reaches a point about 40-50% of the way through the game where the difficulty just goes up by a big factor. But, you know, it wouldn't be an old school game if it wasn't tough. Um, yeah, I, I really think it's... Uh, I don't think it gets enough um, notice. Uh, I remember the makers of uh, the Racket Boy website giving a, a shout out to it years ago on an NES list. And it, that's the first time that I'd really heard it get any... Uh, attention in a while so yeah check it out on youtube i'm sure you could find it on ebay for a reasonable price most of those um semi-popular nes carts are aren't too hard to find i know a lot of you out there still have uh, old nes's and i'm sure you could find it on any number of emulation sites as well i'd like to thank uh vernon and and chris for for joining me um it's uh it's an issue that uh <laughs> sounds like we don't understand heavily <laughs> but uh, i i think it's fair to say it's going to be on our radar going forward uh, particularly the next time there's a big uh, uh, net neutrality controversy I'm, I'm sure that gamers all around the world will be interested um to to hear you know the latest developments on that um so thanks again to you two and um we'll uh, we'll see you next time on uh, on point streak thanks guys thanks chris thanks vernon thank you thank you